This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Syngenta. More than 27,000 people in over 90 countries helping the world's farmers grow more from less, protect the environment, and improve health and quality of life. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. Congressman Frank Lucas, Chair of the House Agriculture Committee, uh, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Oh, it's good to be with you, Ken. Mr. Chairman, your work on passing this farm bill is uh, finished with the signature of the President uh, anticipated before this interview is posted. Have you thought about implementation and what role your committee will take in assuring that the uh, hard-fought compromises will be fairly executed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture? Oh, absolutely, Ken. Uh, no matter how good the piece of legislation is, uh, no matter how well thought out, no matter how agreed to, uh, nonetheless, taking uh, a bill, a statute, and turning it into the rules and regulations and implementing it is always a challenge. Uh, my subcommittee chairmen and women, uh, my colleagues on the committee as a whole, stand prepared to work with and to help uh, the administration uh, move some of these rather bold policy changes forward. Uh, it will take time, of course, when you're literally stepping away from the old direct payment system and going to what, in essence, amounts to an insurance-based system. Uh, when you consolidate the number of conservation programs we are consolidating, uh, the changes in the nutrition program, food stamps, and implementation of the 10-state pilot project for able-bodied adult uh, uh, citizens with a work requirement, all of those things are going to take some time and effort, and we're going to look over their shoulder. But there's also, Ken, a couple of other things out there uh, that were directly or indirectly related to the Farm Bill that require more scrutiny, too. Remember, it's time to reauthorize the language that creates the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. And uh, my good subcommittee chairman, Mr. Conaway of Texas, has put a lot of effort into the hearings. Sometime this spring or into this summer, we'll address that. I see how the Senate responds. Uh, there were a few issues in the Farm Bill that didn't uh, necessarily uh, come to everybody's uh, satisfaction. I would suspect uh, there will be hearings uh, dealing with the country of origin uh, labeling, uh, cool, as a lot of folks like to refer to it. Uh, that's out there in the mix. Uh, we're going to be a busy committee for the rest of the year, whether it's implementation, looking over the shoulder of the department, helping encourage the department, helping provide guidance through the hearing process, or these other issues uh, that uh, command uh, a need for the committee to respond. Should livestock producers have priority in getting their programs in place? Uh, if you address things like the Livestock Disaster Program, uh, where we literally not only provide a safety net for livestock producers moving forward, but we backfill uh, the deficiencies of the previous farm bill, I'd say uh, if I were a stockman in South Dakota who'd stuff suffered the massive uh, damages that they had in the early uh, harsh winter weather this season, I think I'd define it as a priority. I know uh, my neighbors in the Southwest who've dealt with drought issues uh, that were not fully funded in the final year of the old Farm Bill, uh, would like to see that catch-up work done. I know the par department will prioritize uh, things as uh, they see fit and as they believe will be the most efficient use of time. But uh, if you're a stockman in the Dakotas, if you're a stockman in the in uh, much of the rest of the country that went through those super droughts, uh, you probably would like to see uh, see that language implemented sooner. Chairman Lucas, with target prices established by this bill, uh, 
Is the federal government exposed to large expenditures for payments if crop prices decline? Well, using the reference price system, and remember producers have essentially two choices when they go in to sign up for the Farm Bill. They'll have the crop revenue option, or shallow loss as some people like to refer to it. They'll have price protection, what you would refer to as teeing off of reference prices. They have to make a decision about which way to go. Either program, potentially, if we have weather or market failures, uh, has an impact on the U.S. Treasury. But the thing I think we all agreed in, and two-thirds of the House, well, two-thirds of the Senate, an overwhelming majority in the House was, we need a safety net. And if things really, really, really get bad enough, Ken, uh, then we're going to pay out some resources. But then why do you uh, buy a life insurance policy? You don't want to die, but you want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of. Why do you buy a fire insurance policy on your house? You want to live there for 30, 40, 50 years and never file a claim, but you you spend the money. Uh, that's my perspective on the safety net in this farm bill. If markets uh, uh, are consistent, if Mother Nature uh, cooperates in some semblance of a way, uh, then uh, I think there's a high probability most of these things will not be used. But if we need them, it'll be because things have happened beyond the control of a farmer and rancher, and they'll really need them. So I, uh, I guess I would say there's always a potential for exposure, but uh, the biggest uh, financial exposure in the farm bill uh, to the American taxpayer is still not the commodity title. It's still not the conservation title. It's the nutrition title where almost 80% of, uh, in recent years, all the resources have gone. Looking at the layout of the farm bill, southern farmers don't have to give up direct payments on cotton, nor have to meet payment limits or tighter definition of actively engaged in farming. Do you think the southern farmers came out better on this bill than Midwesterners? Well, first I would say if you look at the way uh, those uh, areas were worked on, uh, the consensus that was achieved, it was understood by many, I think, of my colleagues in the process that not all farms are the same, not all levels of investment are the same, that you have to show flexibility. What will work for a corn farmer in Indiana where my grandfather Lucas was born might not work ideally for a cotton farmer in the great state of Texas where my grandfather Adderholt was born, both of them a little over a century ago. You have to have that flexibility. And I would also say the cotton folks have a one-year transition a payment as they move from the old direct payment system that everybody's on over to their modern stack system, which we all believe, which we all hope, will be compliant uh, with the WTO regulations, but only time will tell on that. So that's a, that's a one-year transition there. But by and large, the payment limitations, and remember, we still have $125,000 payment limitation. Uh, in the payment limitation in this bill, all the various components count together. That wasn't the case in the old bill. Uh, I think we did the right thing in trying to make sure that the resources will go to the folks who raise the crop. You know, that's been a a big uh, contentious issue, Ken, throughout this entire farm bill. A number of my colleagues, uh, some close to rural America and some, unfortunately, not very close to rural America, had a real desire, I think, to use the farm bill as a vehicle by which to define who a farmer is, define uh, what should be raised, uh, how it should be raised. I'm still old school. I think a farm bill is about raising food and fiber, and the resources should follow the production because we're trying to encourage a steady, safe, stable 
a consistent price-wise a food supply. But uh, these issues have been argued over since the 1960s, and I suspect as long as we have uh, uh, agricultural safety net, we'll argue about those two and forward. The dairy provisions of the bill were uh, very hard fought. Do you think this is going to be a workable program for dairy farmers in the year ahead? It's a bold new concept, shifting away from the MLIC and going over to, in effect, an insurance system to help uh, cover the cost of uh, uh, potential cost of production. Uh, when both uh, members from the Northeast, where dairies typically are relatively small by modern standards, and members from places like California, where the dairies tend to be <clears throat> rather substantial by anybody's definition, when they all sign the conference report at the same time. Now, that indicated to me that there was an optimism, a hope. Uh, the Speaker of the United States House, uh, one of the very few guidelines he laid down early on in the farm bill process was that we could not have supply management. You could not have a, a farm bill where somebody at USDA was telling a dairyman to turn the valve on or the valve off at uh, his or her milk tank. We avoid that, and in the policy in place, if production gets out of hand, the premiums you pay in to get a benefit out of the program, and at a point the benefits themselves, as the premiums go up, what you pay in goes up and what you get out goes down, is to an effort to provide a disincentive uh, to encourage people uh, to be rational in their, in their decisions about production. Once again, teeing off of the concepts of, uh, of insurance. The healthier lifestyle you lead, usually the cheaper uh, Personal insurance is the less healthy your lifestyle, the more you're going to pay. Kind of the way uh, I hope the dairy language ultimately uh, is implemented. How would you recommend that uh, farmers approach the decision to choose either the ARC, the agricultural risk coverage, or the PLC, the price loss coverage, since that decision has to be made uh, in the near future and is irrevocable for the full length of this farm bill? Well, it's a big decision, Ken. It's a big decision. I expect USDA to be putting tools together to help uh, give uh, farmers insights into how to make the decision. I expect uh, land-grant universities all across the country to engage in creating models to help provide that guidance. Uh, superficially, I would say there's probably going to be a pattern there. Uh, the revenue option will be used more likely by my friends in the Midwest, uh, where they've got a better soil situation, they've got a more consistent weather situation, where they have uh, the effects of the renewable fuel standard on their core commodity groups. I would expect, um, not every time, but more likely than not, the rest of the country where uh, the weather's patterns are different, where the soil conditions are different, where uh, renewable fuel is not uh, as much of a factor, I would expect them to perhaps be more focused on the price protection. But uh, we had a great debate in this farm bill. There were those who advocated, well, just give producers both. Just give them the option of both. Let them have whatever's the best on any given year. We had to operate within a very tight budget requirement, Ken, ultimately saving in total uh, approximately, in comparison to the previous bill, about $23 billion. Uh, that required that tough decisions be made. If you gave everyone automatically whatever the best option was in any given year, that dramatically increased the cost of the commodity title by giving producers the uh, ability to pick one or the other and stay with their decision, it brought down the overall cost of the commodity title 
and enabled each option to be more robust, to be better. So if you wanted everything, you were going to get a whole lot less. If you wanted an option where you had to make a choice, and it required you to make a choice in the best interest of your farm, uh, then and you made the right choice, uh, you will get substantially a, a better safety net from it. it uh, that's really the bottom line in that decision-making process. There's been some mockery of this farm bill by the general media as it being a pork or spending for obscure programs, which they outline as the catfish inspection or maple syrup promotion. After all the work you did, how do you respond to those criticisms? <laughs> I would say as long as they have uh, beach houses that are protected by subsidized federal flood insurance, as long as they have their retirement funds in accounts that are uh, provided with tax protection by the U.S. Treasury, as long as they send their children to school the first year on Pell Grants, as long as uh, the folks who uh, provide their services to them, many of them use the food stamp programs, as long as uh, they come out and hunt and fish on all of us in the countryside, uh, thinking that it's an automatic right, as long as they eat well and cheap and safe, uh, then I simply say, enjoy the benefits of, uh, of everything you criticize. Congressman, last question, and that is about you and your future as a member of Congress from Oklahoma. Your state's very conservative, and the compromise action you took to get this bill passed seems to be too far to the left for a sizable portion of your constituents. Uh, across the border from you in Kansas, every member of the congressional delegation voted against the bill, and the reason seemed to be political cover. Uh, you already have a Republican opponent who's expressing uh, very conservative views. Do you think you're going to have a strong challenge in the primary election this spring, partly because of your compromise method on this farm bill? When uh, my constituents come to understand that we spent $23 billion less in this farm bill than was spent in the previous farm bill, when my constituents come to understand that we achieved the first real reform in the food stamp program, since 1996, an $8 billion savings by ending the lie heap or heat and eat hole, that we uh, persuaded the Senate and the President to accept a bill that in 10 states sets up a pilot project to require able-bodied adults to work, have to work to get their food stamps. When they realize we persuaded the President and the Senate to accept a bill that ends advertising on food stamps, ends recruiting of, of people to push food stamps, ends uh, pushing food stamps in foreign countries, uh, that ends uh, 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 people getting food stamps in multiple states simultaneously, uh, that ends uh, so many abuses, and at the same time ends the old direct payment program that was so criticized and moves us all to an insurance-based program, provides a safety net that I think is as good as or perhaps better than the previous farm bill for less, I don't know what conservative standard that doesn't meet. Spend less, do more, do it more efficiently, require more of people. Uh, I just uh, I don't know. But can we live in a funny time? And sound bites are the word. I worked for two and a half years with my colleagues to craft a bill that's about 20 or 30 percent in pages smaller than the previous farm bill. Actually, a smaller document than the previous farm bill. I believe my neighbors back home will look past the political pitches 
of the super PACs on the East and West Coast, and will look past the professional political pressure groups on the East and West Coast, they'll understand I did uh, my work in a way that reflects uh, what they wanted. Are you considering a run for that open U.S. Senate seat uh, in Oklahoma being vacated by Senator Coburn? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, the other body is a unique group, and I've now worked with them for years. Uh, I think uh, if my neighbors will give me a chance, I'll stay here in the United States House, and I'll work to implement this farm bill, and I'll work to continue to make reforms and to continue to save money, not just in ag, but across the spectrum. So, no, I'm not ready to go to that uh, place that's rumored to be on the other side of this campus. Thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Syngenta. See all they are doing at Syngenta.com. I'm Ken Root.